This is episode number 017 of the Reno Slant. Big win for Nevada last week. Even bigger week this week at Arizona State and Grand Canyon. We got a loaded show. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Last weekend was a little bit more fun. No Nevada football game, but a really great win in Los Angeles over USC for Muss and company. Adam and I are going to share our thoughts on Nevada's eighth straight win to open the season. And then we got a ton to look forward to. Nevada at Arizona State on Friday night at Staples Center back in Los Angeles. That's the biggest non-conference game for Nevada in I don't know how many years. Several. That's a huge one for that this program and this season. Then quick turnaround. Nevada is going to play at Grand Canyon Sunday afternoon in Phoenix. Nevada football back in a bowl this year. Bowl was announced on Sunday. They're going to be back in the Arizona Bowl versus Arkansas State. Nevada obviously beat Colorado State in the inaugural Arizona Bowl. I think that was back in 2015. And we're thrilled about our guests this week. You guys know Tipsy Elves. I think a lot of you should know Tipsy Elves. They're best known for their Christmas apparel, but they are much more than that. They're basically a lifestyle brand now. I mean, they do stuff for whether you ski, snowboard, going to the lake, Halloween, I'm forgetting a ton of stuff. I mean, it, for an event or a situation in life, they got something for you to wear for it. And they were on Shark Tank. I think it was back in 2013 in one of the most successful Shark Tank stories ever. I think they're like number two or three on the Shark Tank power rankings unofficially. So we got co-founder Nick Morton. Nick grew up in Sparks. He went to Reed High School. He remains a diehard Nevada fan and... Most notably, he listens to the Reno Slant. <laughs> so we had a fun chat with Nick about Tipsy Elves, Shark Tank, and then obviously Nevada. He's a Nevada basketball season ticket holder, by the way. For slants, we'll get into some weekend plans, games of the weekend, Twitter questions, and random Reno. So the lineup this week will be uh, – we'll break down USC. We'll hear from Nick. Then we'll look ahead to the Arizona State and Grand Canyon games. Quick thoughts on the bowl matchup, and then slants. But first, we need to get to our iTunes five-star review of the week. It's a big one this week for a big $3 grand prize. We're going to buy someone a gallon of gas or a four loco or something. And we got a couple this week, and it was too tough to decide. So I'm going to go full millennial participation trophy. We're going to give two out this week. Both of them. So both of you guys are going to get a $3 grand prize. Adam will get you $3. I'll get you $3. The first one is from Big Surge 2. He says, there's absolutely nothing else I'd rather listen to on my 30-minute drive to class every day. Thanks for feeding my Nevada sports addiction, dudes. You guys are killing it. Also, I'm really looking forward to those $3. Hope it's still up for grabs because I need it. Hashtag poor college student. P.S. Feel free to give out my Venmo just in case anyone else wants to donate. So big search too. We appreciate, brother. Uh, also from Mr. Andrew Carr. It's very exciting that there's a podcast that focuses solely on Northern Nevada sports. I enjoy hearing the perspective of both the Shout Brothers with Nathan having a more journalistic perspective and Adam having 
more of a handicapper perspective, a bad handicapper. I also enjoy hearing the discussions about things that are uniquely Reno. So thanks for the love, guys. Pumped. You guys are loving the show. Just make sure you get us your Venmo usernames, and we'll definitely hook it up for you guys. Uh, maybe get you, as I mentioned, get you like a gallon of gas or something. But bro, um, last week when you had, when we, when you came on, you were just coming back from Brazil and you didn't know what time it was and you, you didn't <laughs> even know which direction was up. Are you, are you back on a normal body clock now or how you feeling? Oh uh, yeah, now I'm good. I'm going to tell you right now. I was, um, it was actually funny. I was talking to mom and dad about this a couple of nights ago. I was thinking when we were recording last week that when we, you and I were talking and I'd have a time where I was being silent, I would try and think back to just a couple minutes ago of like what I was saying. And I was <laughs> so tired and whatnot that I just, I couldn't even remember what I was talking about. And then of course, you know, right after that, pretty much I got super sick. I was down for the count the whole weekend, you know, I had a pretty bad cold, but still now I'm on the, on the up and up. So no symptoms of yellow fever or anything? <laughs> Luckily, no. Yeah, still, still yellow. Well, I mean, I, I haven't, I, you know, I haven't gotten the courage to look up what the symptoms are because I'm, <laughs> but as of right now, I'm still breathing. I'm still waking up in the morning, so I'm assuming that I don't have it. We can, uh, when we're done, we can WebMD it. Yellow fever. Yeah, it's gonna say death, or it's gonna say if you cough, you're dying, and I'm just gonna freak out. It's a, it'll say about a week after you spent oh, a week and a half in Rio is usually when it starts really kicking in. <laughs> you're gonna get, in a, you're gonna get a slight cold. You're gonna get better. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna die. All right. So, did you watch the you watch the basketball game over the weekend? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, didn't make it the whole game because obviously the championship weekend there was all these other games going on. Once Nevada kind of started pulling away, then I wasn't yeah. solely focused on it. But um, yeah, the first thing I got out of it was just kind of road resilience. Mm-hmm. It's been a long, you know, it's a long stretch for Nevada not playing a home game. What did you say? It's over a month. Um, not, no, it's not that long, but it, it's oh, a while. It's not, yeah. Okay. I th- oh, I thought it was about a month. Um, but I think they were. What were they down? Thirty four, thirty five at half. I know they were down yeah. one. Um, but then did it in Nevada fashion. Smacked in the second half. Outscored them by thirteen. So I remember watching when they were going to the half. I kind of had that mind. That I was kind of thinking like, ah, you know, maybe USC is going to give them a tough little challenge. But uh, we figured that out fairly quickly into the second half that Nevada was going to control the game. That's what jumped out at me. So a 73-61 road win. Nevada now 8-0 for the second straight year, matching the best start in program history. They obviously did it last year before the the overtime loss at Texas Tech. And if I remember correctly, I think they win that game if Jordan Caroline hits a free throw late. I don't remember, though. USC drops to 5-3, and three, a really good win for this program. In my eyes, USC not a Final Four contender, but to go on the road and handle a Pac-12 team like that, in my eyes, validates that this team is legit. This team is for real. That that was a, I mean, you could say at Loyola Chicago, Loyola Chicago clearly is not as good as it was at least down the stretch last year. BYU, that was at home. I mean, that was this was the first real test for this team this year, and they just completely overwhelmed USC in the second half. Completely mm-hmm. overwhelmed them. It was a 21-7 run to start the second half. And I think that's as impressive a regular season win as any in, in the Muss era. It certainly helped that Kevin Porter Jr., their future lottery pick, the freshman, only played really four minutes, essentially didn't play. Um, but just a, a really impressive result. It ended up being final, the, it was a 12 point final difference. No matter what, got really cold down the stretch, but just an all around, Really impressive result on the road. 
All right, then I got <laughs> – this is a new one. So we've kind of intertwined with football as well, how we talk about either a fast start or a slow start. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call the last game – I'm going to say it's a healthy start. Mm. They, they didn't – you know, the first half wasn't overwhelming. They didn't get down by anything crazy, so I wouldn't classify as a slow start. They never got ahead by more than anything double-digit-wise, so it's not, I wouldn't say it's a fast start. But I'll give it the healthy start. And they had – this kind of just counters on what I was talking about. Kind of had USC right where they wanted them. I was a little more nervous going into half. Wasn't in full panic mode, but definitely had a couple out, you know, little shreds of concern. <laughs> but, um, yeah, once, I mean, like I said, once they came out in the second half, it was, uh, it was pretty quick, it was pretty quick to figure out that they were going to take the game and they were going to be able to handle, they were going to be able to handle USC. And that's what allowed me to watch Georgia blow it. Healthy, healthy start. Yeah, Georgia did. Did Georgia blow it or did Alabama win it? What's the, George's head coach, Herbie? What's his name? Oh, God, you're going to put me on the spot. I, I can't remember. He, he wears a visor. But I'll say, I'm not going to say Georgia blew it. I'm going to say he blew with the fake punt. But regardless, <laughs> move, moving on. I actually just looked. You, you were right. It was basically a month between home games for Nevada. So November 19th against Cal Baptist, and they came down to Vegas. Then went to Chicago, then L.A., now L.A. again, and now Phoenix. Their next home game is December 15th versus South Dakota State. So it basically was a month. Yeah, or it's maybe a month cool. between home games. I was really impressed. I mean, collectively, you do what you do. That that's that looks good. But I was mm-hmm. really curious and talked about it on last week's podcast how the defense would look, how how they would perform against a team that's athletic, that has length, that could score down low. Not a great three point shooting team, but they could they could shoot it. And man, did that defense perform, especially. In the second half, 61 points was a season low for the Trojans. They only scored 26 points in the second half. They were 5 of 21 from deep. There's been a lot made that if this team's going to make strides this year and is going to get to the third weekend of the NCAA tournament, it's going to have to be because of the defense. And we've seen this defense look pretty sharp now. coming, And that was coming off the heels of a really dominant effort against Loyola Chicago. So that that was impressive, and I think to me that was maybe the the biggest thing that I took away from this game was how how good the defense looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then going back to the individual players, I'm gonna stay away. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go, go stay away from what I normally been doing, but I'm gonna say with Caroline, just had an absolute monster game. He's 20, a you know, 20, he's a beast, dude. Like you run out of things to say about him. That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, like I could we could say it every single week that he's an you know just a complete animal out there, but it's like. Watching him on the, he just totally asserts that he's the, he's the man. Like, yeah. alright, little, alright, little boys, give me the ball. <laughs> Half the time, like, I still find myself getting nervous sometimes mm-hmm. when he puts his head down from the three point yeah. line. <laughs> it just starts trucking his shoulder down. Cause he looks like kinda out of control, like a, tr- like a train without the brakes. It's like, yeah, what exactly. is gonna happen here? And then he finds a way to finish, like every time I feel like. Mm-hmm. He's just automatic know, down there. I know exactly what you mean because this is going back to the exhibition game. But when I was at uh, watching the when they played the Huskies with my buddy, and he kept doing that, it was like every single time he kept ducking down, my friend would just put his hands on his head, like oh, like <laughs> don't really know what's gonna happen. And yeah, that, I mean that's the case. More times than not, it would end up working out. That's his. We need a, we need a name for that. Yeah, that's a good point. The, 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 the Caroline the, special or or something because he does it all the time, and he he has that move down. Mm-hmm. And then he'll, he'll hit some acrobatic shot, not even looking at the rim, facing <laughs> the wrong direction, and uh-huh. get it to go down and draw the foul. Yeah, exactly. Caroline, Caroline special. I think I think that's what we got to go with. 
I like that. This was the really the second straight game. I hate to keep beating the same drum here, but we saw Musk go to a, a six man rotation. And it's mm-hmm. I don't want to say that it's funny. It was just it's it's there. It's, I, it's just <laughs> the storyline the season was man, Musk has depth. What's what's he gonna do with it? He's gonna do the same thing he's always done. He's yep. gonna find the six guys that he likes. And he's gonna, those are gonna be his ride or dies over, over the course of the season. It works. Like you can't mm-hmm. knock it because he, it, he wins games with it. But Jordan Brown, we talked about him maybe not playing at all in this game. He played in the last couple of minutes. He got three minutes. Corey Henson got a few. No Nizri. Zuzwa. This team, things are going great right now, clearly. A, a win at USC. They're eight and no. They have the biggest non-conference game in how many years coming up on, on, on Friday. But it's, it's a storyline. It's there. You have a McDonald's mm-hmm. All-American, a five-star recruit who was the best player, by the way, in the McDonald's All-American game, and he's not even really playing. Yeah. And you know, as Nevada goes after, they're, they're targeting this four and five-star kids now. They're looking at how Nevada's handling Jordan Brown. Like, okay, what happens oh. if I choose that program? Mm-hmm. Like, so if there, if there is a knock on, this development, it's gotta be that it's probably not helping the recruitment of well, some of those big time prep kids. Well, it just shows with Musselman that nothing's given. Everything's earned. It's like, he's kind of Pete Carrollish in that way. Mm-hmm. Like competition, you, you gotta earn it. Nothing's given. Yeah. You're McDonald's All American. We don't care. Like you got, you gotta come in. You gotta earn your minutes. When and, I talked about it at the beginning of the season, remember they were talking about, uh, I think it was Caleb who was talking about practice and people not giving it all in the practice. Mm. Like you said with Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's a huge practice guy. Yeah. Wow. You, yeah. We, we, I don't know if anyone's ever made that comparison. There aren't a lot, probably aren't a lot of Seahawks fans who are also <laughs> yeah. Nevada fans. Yeah. There yeah, are exactly. few. That, co- that, co- that combination is probably not super common. There are a few. There, there's someone who, who follows me on Twitter who's like, he has like the Nevada logo on the space needle or something. So they're, they're out there. Huh? They're out. Show there. your faces. We'll, we'll <laughs> greet you. The the last couple of things I, I took away um, from this game. Another storyline coming into the year was Nevada's three point shooting. Are they going to be able to to keep it going from deep? And it's early, but they have pretty much quieted those concerns. Those mm-hmm. have been put to rest. And I think a lot of that is Jazz Johnson, the spark he's provided at the bench. That dude is a sniper. He's he's so fun to watch. We he's, talk- been fa- he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's who who's been who do you think's been the in your eyes who's been the biggest surprise? Um, I mean, if we're going to follow with Jazz, probably him because I mean like with with the Martin Twins and Caroline, you kind of knew what you were getting. Right. Thur- Thurman's huge, but you're like I mean, if you want to look at the most positive surprise, positive surprise I would say Jazz Johnson. Mm-hmm. Negative surprise I would say Jordan Brown that he's not playing as much. Right. Like I would, you would think, but yeah, I mean, positive wise, like that's a jazz comes in is at the most opportune times, drills a couple threes and then just smiles and he's been awesome. There's been some stats I've seen that he's been, I don't know which stat it is. I'm probably going to butcher it, but he's mm-hmm. been the most efficient offensive player in college basketball. I think I have something, seen something, something like that on Twitter on that, which is bonkers. Come off the bench. That, that's amazing. The biggest surprise for me in a positive way is Trayshawn Thurman. Mm-hmm. I he's thought been playing it tight. Yeah. He's a, he's a key piece for this team now, and yeah. in the off season, I was thinking, okay, you got Jordan Caroline, you got Trey Porter, 
Trey Porter was getting a ton of love in, in the offseason, deservedly so. We've seen what he can do when he's on. And yeah. you have, then you have Jordan Brown also. Like th- those are three three big dudes. He's in my eyes, he was big dude number four. And I was thinking that he was probably going to end up maybe being one of the guys on the end of the bench. And now he's a starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got over. I had that li- listed down that Martin's him and Caroline over, over thirty seven minutes last game. Yeah, he's essential for this team now. Going back to how this started with his three point shooting, we went down a fun rabbit hole there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were eight bring of twenty. It, bring, it, bring it back. Bring it back. Here we go. They were eight of twenty from deep against USC. Going back to Loyola Chicago, fourteen of thirty four. That's forty one percent in the last two in true road games. Loyola Chicago, t- a especially tough environment to play in. It's they've been efficient. Like they're not shooting a ton of threes, but they're getting good looks and they're they're taking advantage of them. And for that to be a concern coming into the year now, to have that really sorted out has been really nice. If they were, if they were still clunking threes, then you have a legit concern. But at this point, I don't know if there's anywhere you look on this team and say, okay, that is the, that is the problem. I mean, you'd probably go to the depth, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. is there anything that is, has worried you? I mean, when you're winning road games by double digits, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard it's to, to complain. Yeah, it's exactly. It's hard to be, you know, look at that game and you're basically trying to find problems. Right. Not and there if, right if, now. And if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Not there right now. The last thing I'll say, I mentioned that they went cold at the end of the game. It could have been more than a 12 point final difference. Nevada was two from 11 in the, from the field after going up 19 at the eight minute mark. So the final score ended up being by 12, being a 12 point difference, but it could have been more lopsided than that. Yeah. Okay, let's kick it to our interview with Nick Morton, co-founder of Tipsy Elves. Really, really glad to have him on. He 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 interacts with us on Twitter every once in a while. And I'm like, is that is is he really the co-founder of Tipsy Elves? I was I was familiar with with Tipsy Elves, and um, so got in touch with him. Sure enough, and uh, I was like, dude, we need to get you on the podcast. So had had an awesome talk with him. I mentioned that they're one of the most successful Shark Take stories ever in the ten seasons of that show. I don't know. There's if you type in Tipsy Elf Shark Tank, there's a million different stories. But when mm. they went when they went on the show, they were somewhere around six hundred thousand dollars in total sales, doing pretty much primarily Christmas sweaters. Now they're well over fifty million dollars in total sales, doing all sorts of stuff. A really crazy, not, I don't know, if crazy is the word, but an awesome story, and obviously some local ties. So it's glad to get Nick on. And uh, by the way, speaking of, of Tipsy Elves, before we kick it to the interview here, they have. Unbelievable Christmas apparel, obviously, and Santa Crawl is next Saturday, so we don't get any of the kickback. But if you guys need something to wear for Santa Crawl, I would strongly recommend checking out TipsyElves.com. I mean, the Christmas sweaters, Christmas suits—they they got it all. They got some really cool stuff. So, um, for those of you going, don't have anything to wear yet, uh, I would check it out. Here is our conversation with Nick. <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, with Christmas coming up here, I imagine this has got to be the busiest time of the year for, for Tipsy Elves. So the first question I got for you is, are you hanging on to your sanity or has it been okay? Uh, so far, so good. We've, we, we have a new website this year and, and things haven't crashed so far. So, uh, <laughs> we, in the past, we've had some, some big calamities where your website's crashing or, you know, fulfillment and shipping is behind and, and we've lost our sanity in those years, but so far so good, I think. <laughs> we got time still. <laughs> we're recording yeah, some I know, December I know. 3rd. <laughs> I, I'm knocking on wood while we're 
I'll do that for you too. I got, I got, I got a wood desk. So there are a million different directions we can go talking tipsy elves and we'll obviously get to Nevada and you grew up in Sparks. Um, but what's something people may not know about tipsy elves or, or something you wish people would maybe ask you about? Cause I'm sure you get a million different questions about your company. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people still uh, don't realize we make a lot of things besides ugly Christmas sweaters. I mean, right. that's still you know our bread and butter, but we've expanded to Halloween costumes, and we made a whole kids line this year called Little Tipsy, um, and you know Christmas suits, onesies, PJs. We just we sell a lot of other other products, and, yeah. and you know excited to share those with everybody. Sure. How'd you guys come up with the name Tipsy Elves? Uh, we were trying to think of something that. You know, at the time we were only we were only doing Christmas, and we wanted something that would be kind of fun, but not too over the top. And initially, we had drunk Santa, but we thought that was a little aggressive, so <laughs> we decided to go with tipsy elves instead. <laughs> not drunk, buzzed. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, why do you think tipsy elves took off? I mean, Shark Tank was probably was definitely a factor, but but you're an entrepreneur. What what can people take away from from your model, from your experience, and maybe apply it to their own? Because in a lot of ways, being an entrepreneur is the quote unquote Amer- American dream. So what what worked for Tipsy Elves? I, yeah, I think it sounds funny because to say this, but there was actually a need at the time for ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> like if you if you went online in 2011, 2012, and typed in ugly Christmas sweater, there was no company making new ones. Right. Uh, they were all you know, online thrift stores, things like that. And so we, we really did kind of fill a need that was, that was there. Um, we had no business doing what we were doing. I can tell you that I I had become a dentist and my business partner, Evan was a lawyer. Uh, and our experience with making clothing was that we had shopped online before. I think that was about as much experience as we had. So uh, I, I think, you know, as far as what someone can learn, it was really just that we, we believed in, in the product. We believed in ourselves and we, we've kind of, kind of have this mantra now in our company that we focus on the opportunities instead of the obstacles. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you've experienced this with the podcast. It's like you, you try to prepare for as many things and you know, there's going to be some stuff that you don't know, but the, the hardest part is the things that you don't even know you don't know. Right. Uh, and, and staying optimistic and, uh, and is a really powerful perspective, I think, when, mm-hmm. when t- things get tough. And I think that served us really well as we've had the ups and downs of, of our business over the years. So what was the timeline between, okay, we're going to start drunk Santa. No, we're going to start tipsy elves. And then you're on Shark Tank. Like what, what was that time frame? So that was our, our third year. Okay. Um, we, our first year, was we were both working our normal jobs and it was really as a side project at the time and uh we we were able to sell about four thousand dollars of christmas sweaters in in like two weeks and that's when we realized holy crap we we have something (laughs) Uh, and that's when my business partner evan quit his job as a lawyer and and worked full-time on tipsy elves and then the next year we doubled our sales and then that's when we started realizing that maybe we should go on shark tank it was at that point everyone anytime you have an idea even today, they people say, "Oh, you should go on Shark Tank." It's like the right the thing. thing. So, yeah, we started saying, "Well, maybe we should go on Shark Tank." We started <laughs> like it started, and we actually had filled out the application. And the crazy thing is, it was like super, super serendipitous. Was a a producer from the show had gone to a Christmas party the year before, and her best friend had bought a sweater from us and was wearing it at the party. And she thought it was so funny. She wrote down our name. 
uh, Tipsy Elves, and then she she actually emailed us, and it was like two days before I was about to submit the application, and she said, "Hey, would you guys be interested? We're doing a Christmas episode this year. What do you think?" <laughs> so it was like the luckiest thing. If you twist our arm, I guess we'll come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we still ended up doing the whole application and everything, but yeah. we definitely had a little inside track from uh, from that, which was which was super lucky. That's, that's helpful. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, do you guys th- do you guys think you are where you are today without Shark Tank? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to know. I, I do believe we'd still be successful, but I think uh, it was definitely like rocket rocket fuel. You know, yeah. I mean, it's at that point we had about a million dollars in total sales between the years, and they they say that at that point it was like eight million viewers during prime time was right. valued like ten million dollars of free advertising. So. Wow. I mean, we couldn't pay for that now, let alone then. <laughs> uh, so, it, and, and then having Robert, we ended up making a deal with Robert Herjavec on the right. show, and he, he's a he's a sharp guy, sharp businessman, and he's been he's been helpful too. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely helps. So, how much do you actually get to see Robert? Because that's something you you always see the handshake. We're going to do a deal. We're going to be partners. Then you see the follow up shows. But how much do you actually interact with Robert? What's that relationship like? Yeah, I think it's, for us, it's, it's, we have a really good relationship with him. I think it's, it's every shark and every company has a little different, it just oh, changes. Yeah. I think it's Definitely. different, but we, we usually see him a couple times a year and then we we're in contact with him. He's pretty much on an as needed basis. I mm-hmm. mean, we more, usually more through phone calls and things like that. Cause he's based in Toronto most of the year and, yeah. uh, and then sometime in LA, in Los Angeles, but, uh, it's, it's been, it's been good. All right. So for people who watch the the show Shark Tank and it is an awesome show, what's something that it's like being there and pitching in person that you have no feel for watching at home on the couch? I would say the the biggest thing is that they they completely mess with the people giving their pitches at the beginning. Uh if you've seen the show they you know you they open those double doors and you walk down that hallway the and dramatic like, music, yeah. And you, they play the dramatic music as you're walking, as you hear it. Oh, and there's really? someone walking in front of you with a camera, like right in your face. Uh, and then the, the, the part that really messes with you is you go through the second batch of double doors and there's an X on the ground and you have to go and stand on the X and then have a 45 second staring contest with the sharks. Yeah. Where you don't talk, you don't smile. You literally just stare at them. You're obviously terrified. And over <laughs> Mark Cuban's shoulders is like 45 cameras. And they say they're doing this just to get all their cameras set up so they can make sure they're like, you know, your different heights of people and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. It's complete BS. It's definitely to mess with you. <laughs> and so it's like 45 seconds of pure silence. And then they go, there's this like voice from above that sounds like the Wizard of Oz and it just goes, begin. Oh no. <laughs> and then you're supposed to do your pitch. And so if you ever see the show and it seems like people forgot their name, don't know where they're at. I mean, it's, it's cause literally for like five minutes, it's just been terrifying. And now you're supposed to have the biggest moment of your life in front, you know, on national TV. So it's, uh, it's tough. That is wild. So how, how crazy were your nerves? Were they, did they come down once you started going? I mean, how, how did that go? Cause I, mean, I would be terrified. Yeah. We were pretty nervous, especially for the first two to three minutes. Cause that's the part that you've practiced and you've tried to memorize. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you try to memorize something, it like, it naturally makes you more nervous. So, right. Once we got through that and the, and you, then you do kind of do the question and answer and you're just kind of talking about your company at that point. Uh, that was a lot less nerve wracking because, you know, you know those things, but, uh, there's always that stage fright when you start that you're going to forget everything and yeah. freeze up and look like an idiot. So, and you only get one shot at it, right? Or, or, or can you restart at any point? No, no restarts. It's like, wow. uh, 
I think the other thing that people don't realize is, you know, they'll, they'll show 12 minutes or something, 15 minutes when you're in there, but usually you're in there for an hour, hour and a half. I mean, they, it's a super yeah. long, uh, conversation and then they kind of will edit it down to, to make a, you know, a good story, but, right. um, they don't restart. They don't, they don't, you don't act anything. There's nothing pre-rehearsed as far mm-hmm. as, you know, what they're going to say. It's, it's, you know, as you see it, which is cool. Crazy. And so I was doing some clicking around and you guys are, one of the most successful Shark Tank stories ever. That's what they tell us. I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a nice thing to hear. Um, it's uh, we're we're doing our best. We, we're trying to we're trying to you know I guess make the show proud and and make sure that uh, you know it's it's kind of a, a weird thing once you go on the show because normally in business it's it's pretty private and people don't know how you're doing and don't know the ups and downs and. We've been on, you know, quite a few times and had quite a few updates and things. So uh, people seem to kind of know what we're doing, yeah. uh, especially people that watch the show, which is really cool. But it also at times, you know, adds a little more pressure and kind of don't want to blow it, you know. Right. And you actually have another update coming up soon, right? Yeah, actually, this Sunday uh, on the 9th of uh, December, 10 p.m., they're doing a, a big update on uh, kind of focusing on we're, we're starting to create some pop up shops in, in certain cities during the holidays and uh, talking about our, our little tipsy line for kids and toddlers and things like that. So it'll be fun. So are you are you totally comfortable in front of the camera now, like no big thing? Uh, no, I still feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a natural uh, thing for me. I don't know. I'm sure at some point it would happen, but yeah, not yet. <laughs> Um, so do you ever miss, so you were, you were a dentist beforehand. Do, do you ever miss being a dentist? Uh, I, I, I miss help. I was, a, so I was a, a, I specialized in endodontics, which is a root canal person, right, right. which everyone, you know, everyone, the saying is like, nothing's worse than a root canal, which mm-hmm. is, it was always fun. But, uh, the part I miss, I would say is just helping, helping people get out of pain. Cause people would come in and like, I don't know if you've ever had a toothache, but it's, it's pretty brutal. So I, I miss that part, but yeah. I, I definitely like the flexibility and the, you know, it's fun to make products that make people laugh. So I, sure, yeah. sure. So you grew up in Sparks. You you, you went to Reed. Do you ever right. visit Reno at all anymore? Yeah, I, I come back uh, multiple times every year. My my parents still live in Sparks out at Red Hawk. Okay, uh, Winfield Springs, and uh, my sister was there until about a few months ago. And my grandma lives there, so uh, be back for the holidays. I was just there for Thanksgiving, so I'm there all the time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then, you, so you went on from Reed and, and you played tennis at UC San Diego. Did you play just tennis at Reed or did you, were you multi, multi, multi-sport guy? Uh, no, I, I did every sport until high school and then I focused on tennis. Decided I wanted to try to play in college and didn't know that I'd be able to, I wasn't good enough to, to do multiple things. <laughs> oh. so, so are you any good still? Do you still play? I don't play a whole lot anymore. You know, a couple times a year. It's, it's kind of a weird thing because once I used to play every day for hours and hours, and then yeah. now that I don't play, it's it's almost weirdly frustrating because I'm <laughs> I like can't do what I used to be able to do, you know. So, sure. Uh, but I, I I think eventually I'll probably get back into it. Yeah. Just get a little busy. Yeah. I I was I didn't I went to a D three school and played baseball, and without sounding oh. overly cliche, I mean there, there's a lot you learn playing a sport. I think especially at a collegiate level. That applies to re- the real world and, and business, certainly. So, I mean, are, are there any parallels that you take away from playing tennis at, at UC San Diego that have maybe helped you get to where you are? Or, or is that too cliche for you? <laughs> no, I, I actually think that the main thing is tennis is very quick. It's like point after point, you know, and mm-hmm. 
you only 15, 30 seconds, you're on to the next point. And so the biggest thing is not dwelling on the, on, you know, the crappy situation that you just had or the crappy shot, the crappy, uh, the crappy call that happened, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things out of your control and uh, being able to move on quickly and stay focused on the positive, stay focused on the next opportunity, the next point. Uh, I think that, that really helped. Yeah, that's that. I mean, playing baseball, it's the same thing. Pitch to pitch. There's an, there's another yep. game tomorrow. Kind of kind of the same thing. Did you consider playing or uh, attending Nevada at all? I did. I I was kind of down to once I had kind of narrowed things down. It was it was one of the last three schools that I looked at. I at UCSD. I, I knew I'd get to play right away, mm-hmm. and they had had some new tennis courts. It was by the beach, um, and I knew I wanted to do uh, something in medicine or dental at the time. And and they have a really good science. Program. I mean, UNR has a really, or Nevada has a really good uh, med school too. Um, and then part of me, I just kind of wanted to, you know, Get away. see what else was out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's tough to say no to the beach. That's yeah, pretty exactly. nice. Yeah. You, UC San Diego, when you were there, was it a D two school? Yeah, it was. They're uh, they're moving to the Big West, uh, I think, as we speak, or next year, or something like that. But okay. It was, uh, yeah, it was D two. Okay. So we got to the the reason that that we got in touch is, is you're you're on Nevada Twitter and <laughs> you have a presence there. So you're obviously still a fan. You still follow the programs. Football just goes seven and five, but has the the loss to to UNLV to end the regular season. That was ugh. Yeah, but, that was how, <laughs> how, how did you, how did you feel about about the season? Uh, I mean, I have, I kind of have mixed emotions. I, I feel like it's definitely a lot of improvement for sure, which is exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, uh, you know, the loss was definitely a, a sour taste and especially the way it happened, you know, being up yeah. with 23-0 or something like that. I, yep. um, but I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm hopeful it's the beginning of, of, uh, you know, it's not just a, an improved team, but it's a, an improved program. Right. I mean, the, the transfers that are happening right now, aren't great. It makes right. me a little nervous. Um, but, but I'm hopeful. I think, I think, uh, coach Norvell's got things going in the right direction, but it'll be tough next year because they're going to lose some people and yeah. new quarterback and all of that. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I'm hopeful we can have another decent year next year and it'll be the start of kind of a, a string of good seasons, which I think is important. Did you, have you been to any games in the last couple of years? I mostly go to basketball games. Basketball I'm games. Like, okay. I'm a, I'm one of these probably frustrating people that the university doesn't like that like is a diehard <laughs> basketball fan and a casual football fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watch every game for football, but I, I'm like diehard when it comes to basketball. So <laughs> I, I haven't been to a football game. Yeah. Has it always been that way or has it been a, a recently a diehard? No, it's always been that way. I, okay. I grew up, one of my best friends growing up's dad had season tickets. Um, and so, and his, his sister never wanted to go. So I got to be the, the stand in second child. Oh, there you go. Um, so I would, I was going to like all the games back then with like fair in hand years and stuff like that. Um, yeah. so that's when I got, got really, really into it. And then, and then you go to UCSD and since we didn't have a division one school, I didn't really adopt my college as my mm-hmm. team, you know? So I, I just kind of always stuck with, uh, watching Nevada and, you know, all the physicus years and things like that. Sure. So it's, it's that, been that way forever. That plays, that plays. Are you, sorry, have you been to any games yet this year and are you planning on going to any games? I haven't been yet this year. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder. <laughs> oh, you're a season though, ticket holder. Okay. Yeah. I don't get to go to that many of them because I live in San Francisco, but um, I'll be back. I think I'm going to go to Utah State. I think it's on January 2nd. Yeah. That's um, the, and that's suddenly yeah. a big game. Utah State looks pretty nice. 
Yeah, they look they look good. So I saw the the new net rankings. They were like, what is it, seventeenth or nineteenth or something? They were, so, yeah, they're yeah. right up there. So that's good. Uh, I usually give the tickets to my parents or some of my high school buddies that still go. They have kids and stuff, so they'll mm-hmm. they'll go. So the tickets get used. Uh, I'm not one of those lower bowl empties that uh, <laughs> doesn't use the use the tickets. But. It's funny. There's probably a lot of people who are going to be listening to this saying, "Ooh, there's a couple couple seats open every <laughs> yeah. every every game." Not so much. Okay. Um, this is gonna, so this is gonna air Wednesday before the Arizona State game on Friday night. Arizona State, one of the other nine unbeatens in the country. How are you feeling about that game? I feel like it's one of our, our last big chances to, to make a splash, it seems like, or really get tested. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hate that we don't get to play more of the top guys. You know, mm. it's like, not just for, not just for ranking stuff, but just for experience and things like that. So it's it's going to be a big game. I'm uh, I'm feeling good about it. I feel I feel hopeful. I mean, yeah. Same thing. Knock on wood, but uh, it'll be a good one. Yeah, not if not just for the net rankings, a chance to pick up a quality resume win. I think for the perception. I mean, it's going to be a ranked right. opponent. So Arizona State's number twenty right now. And I, right. I think it's going to mean just as much for the perception of this program. I think the USC USC game, in my mind, validated this program. Like, okay, they went yeah. to USC and ran a Pac-12 team. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think nationally, it might – some people who are still might be skeptical saying, what's Nevada doing? And then the top five or six, what are they doing there? If they can go beat an Arizona State team on national TV, I think that will you – know, Yeah, I think so too. And then that, yeah, I, I totally agree. So it'll be a big one, and it's people will be watching. It's, you know, Friday night, so – Although, although it's nine o'clock. Yeah, it's, we, uh, we always get screwed. <laughs> I feel like our games are always like, whenever it's national, it seems like it's always at weird times, but same with football, like the late night starts, but it's all right. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So generally speaking, how do you feel about the, the team this year? I mean, I don't think expectations could be higher. <laughs> I, I'm like fully <laughs> like everyone else, I think, where yeah. uh, I'm, I'm hoping we win it all. Uh, but I, I kind of think like as long as they they beat last year, as far as you know, um, I think Final Four or something like that, people will be pretty happy, and I, I'm sure the team would be too. But mm-hmm. once you get to that point, it's like, wait, there's no reason you couldn't win it all. So <laughs> it's fun to even say. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago we were definitely not talking like that. So no, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting times. Do you got a Do you got a favorite player? Uh I kind of like Jazz this year, just because he's like he's, he's nice. So and he's he nice off, off the bench, yeah. Yeah, it comes off, and I, I was everyone was worried about you know three point production after uh, Kendall left and everything. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have uh, what looks like a pretty, uh, pretty you know good good thing going there. So plus he just seems super scrappy, so I like it. Yeah, no, he's awesome coming off the bench. I, it, we've talked about it in the past. I think it was three shows ago about Jazz Johnson maybe starting, but I like him coming off the bench and being a spark. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with their, their current starting five. I mean, they've been pretty dominant. So <laughs> it's working <laughs> I, out. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have a hard time. I, I always like anytime something happens, there's a, you know, like we slow the ball down at the end of the games, all these things that you start questioning and then you're like, eh, yeah, but we've won every game by 10 or more. So it's kind of hard to, to be too critical <laughs> so far. Exactly. Exactly. So do you got a, a prediction for this year? You, you willing to put it out there? How far they're going to go? Uh, I, I think, I think we'll, well, I'm definitely going to pick them in my bracket to win it all for sure. I have to. <laughs> I, I, I hate myself if I didn't and they won. So, um, but I think, uh, I don't know. Everyone says they have to lose a game, but I, I don't know. I, I, 
I don't, if they get past next week against Arizona State, I, I'd say, uh, I think we'll run the table until, until at least till the tournament and then we'll see, but. You got them going undefeated. If they win, if they win on Friday. Okay. With, with the qualifier. Qualifier. Yeah. Okay. But they got Arizona State and then they got, uh, Utah still on the road. Right. They got Grand Canyon on Sunday. I, at San Diego State is always a headache for, for this program. We'll see. Yeah, they're we'll talented see. enough. That's that's. T- I mean, there's definitely tough games. There's there's conference games too that are going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, there's always tough places to play. But did you guys already pick your? Uh, what, what was your uh, what was your record for the year? I did, we didn't pick record. We did records for football. We didn't do it for basketball. We probably should have. We we just said, what does the team need to do to be successful this year? Because as you mentioned, the expectations are <laughs> through the roof, and it's kind of right. one of those. Well, it's awesome to have expectations, but it's kind of a bummer when if you make it to the Sweet 16, it's seen as unsuccessful or maybe even a failure. Like that's <laughs> that's an awfully high bar. Yeah, no, it's it's expectations are one of the toughest things. That that was kind of what I was alluding to with being on Shark Tank too. Is people see it and it's like you have a rough year, or, you know, shipping is bad one year, you know, something like that. It's like mm-hmm. it's uh, they start emailing Robert Herjavec saying, "How come Tipsio's messing up?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't have to deal with that if you were not if you didn't have the expectations. So it's right. those are always those tough to manage. But it's also it's the way the way the program is right now. It's uh, I feel like we got to celebrate it and and keep the expectations high. I'd rather have high expectations and miss them than uh, no expectations. No question. So you you guys used to do college apparel, right? And you don't yeah, anymore now. Is that correct? Yeah, we used to do a ton, um, but it it was a it was kind of one of the categories that we decided to pull back from and. The main reason was it was too dependent on how a college's sports teams were doing every year. So, mm. <laughs> you know, we'd like, like one year we'd sell a whole bunch of TCU Christmas sweaters and the next year we're like, oh, they're, you know, we'd order them in the summer and oh, they're ranked number two. And then they'd lose three games and be not ranked and their whole fan base is pissed. And we'd end <laughs> up with a thousand TCU Christmas sweaters that no one wants. So, uh, it was, it was tough. So we've, we've been kind of pulling back a little bit. Because I would say this would be a pretty good winner to move some Nevada Christmas sweaters. I know, I know, it would, it would, it'd be, it'd be cool too. But maybe, maybe next year. You guys, should, I mean, I don't know how much you get a monitor by by region, but but I imagine Tipsy Ells has to be pretty popular in Reno. I mean, I I certainly was aware of it when I was in Reno, but Reno has a lot of what plays to what you guys do. It has all the crawls. It has the mountain. You guys do mountain apparel. It has Tahoe, and you guys do beach apparel. I mean, do you know how well you do in Reno, or is that just you kind of have to speculate? No, we, we can do, uh, there's, you can go on like, uh, Google Analytics. <laughs> it shows, shows all of your, uh, the weird thing about e-commerce these days is it's, it's pretty creepy. I mean, you can, you can see where everyone's buying from and all that stuff. And, uh, Reno's definitely, especially for the size of the, size of the city, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely one of our, one of our better ones. Uh, which is fun. It's fun. Every time I go back, we're always there at Christmas. I, I always see people wearing our stuff, which is sort of surreal and always, always pretty fun. Yeah. You need to do. Have you done Santa Crawl? I haven't. I, I see it every year, and I'm. It's. I never. I never end up making it, but I always see all the pictures and everything. A bunch of my friends have done it uh, a few times. So you guys should sponsor that thing. I mean, you guys were made for Santa Crawl, or vice versa. That's that's true. We should we we should because we we make a ton of Santa stuff too that you could you could wear to it. So. Well, that's a good I, idea. When, write I, that be, down. when <laughs> I became familiar with you guys, it was the it was the Christmas suits that you guys do. Right. And I was like, yeah. oh, that would be perfect for Santa Crawl. And I've seen so many people wear those things. Yeah, we made a Santa one this year too. Like an actual, it looks like, it's like a fancy Santa. So, uh, 
Uh, I'm going to write that down. I need to look into that for next year. That's a good idea. There you go. We're, we're brainstorming here. I like it. <laughs> so, so beyond uh, sponsoring Santa Crawl next year, anything else you're particularly excited about right now? <clears throat> we're mostly just excited about uh, about really expanding our our you know what we're doing and, and building beyond Christmas. I I think uh, it was a really scary decision for us. It, it, we were very very deep into Christmas, and when we decided to go into these other categories, we were going to have to go and lose money for a couple of years because of all the expense of starting up all these different uh, seasons. Right. And and we've kind of come out on the other side as of this year. So uh, that, I think that's what we're most excited about is going from Christmas to, you know, onesie ski suits to St. Patrick's Day to beachwear and, and just kind of rounding that out and then yeah. and then including kids in all of it. Mm-hmm. So I have a two-year-old and it's going to be fun to take her up in a Oh, there you uh, go. Yellow, you know, ski onesie. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, well, in the, the advantage of going, expanding beyond Christmas, obviously, is now you're, you aren't seasonal depend, you aren't in one season or you're not dependent on, on a season. Cause I imagine when you were starting out, it was great for Christmas, but I'm sure in March, April, May, you're like, what the hell is going on? What, what are we going to do? Yeah, it was like we would, we, everyone would forget about us a little bit, you know, yeah. we would, we would have this like, I mean, at Christmas time, it's, we get as much press as any company out there and people are, you know, laughing at our products, having a good time in our products. And then we'd, we'd start seeing, you know, the same people that were posting in our stuff on Instagram, posting in St. Patrick's Day products, but it wasn't our stuff. I'm like, well, these people should be wearing our stuff all the time. Right. And, uh, and then, yeah, we, our, our team grew to the size where uh, to be able to support the team and just from a straight business standpoint, uh, it's, it's good to have sales and money coming in year round, you know? Right. So, yeah. Right. All right. You, you mentioned the, the, the new website. I've checked it out. It, it is great. Um, what, what's the best way for people to check you out? Is it, is it the website? Yeah, it's uh, just tipsyels.com. It's uh we try to keep it fun. Uh whether you're in the need of an ugly sweater or not, it's it's a fun site to just browse cuz uh, we try to make a lot of funny jokes and and things on all our products and we've got some good gift uh gift ideas and stuff like that, so sure. it, it's fun. And you guys are on you're on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff too, right? Yeah, all of our handles are just tipsyelves, so at tipsyelves or Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh Pinterest. Um, thankfully not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of tipsy elves out there when we, when we started. So <laughs> we were able to lock all those down. They'll lock it down. Nice. Well, one thing I was going to give you a hard time about, how, how does the co-founder of a company like tipsy elves, I think your Twitter account, has, you have like 200 followers on there. We got to fix that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a notoriously bad Twitterer. Uh, <laughs> I, I've started to try to be more, more into it and same with Instagram. I, I might be the lowest verified Instagram person in the history of Instagram. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I I need to get I need to get on that. Well, maybe your appearance on, on the Reno Slant podcast will get the momentum going in the right way. I think I'll, I'll probably have a couple million after. <laughs> <laughs> no question. All right, Nick. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you listening and, and engaging yeah, every cool. week. Congrats on all your success and uh, good luck this Christmas season. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I love what you guys are doing. Man, I'm excited. It's nice to finally have a voice uh, voice for Nevada. So it's it's been cool. It was awesome having Nick on. He actually sent us some gear. And I was talking to Nick after this. It was really funny because, Adam, you, you got your stuff from from tips from Nick, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got it uh, the day I came back from Brazil. Had that, the package waiting. And that was the first thing that we ever received doing this podcast. <laughs> so I guess that makes us professional podcasters now, some form of something. 
I've been saying we're professional since day one, but that just <laughs> solidifies it. This is, uh, I haven't told you that this yet. It's super funny. Just what are the chances? It showed up at the front door. Uh-huh. It, well, it must have. And I never got it. Someone swooped it off the front, <laughs> off the front door. So classic. Uh, how fitting is that? Like the first thing I ever get for the podcast, I'm all fired up about it, and uh someone five finger discounts it. That's why Reno's better than Vegas. <laughs> Please, it was like we live in a nice area, nice enough. Like I, I, I was surprised by it, certainly disappointed. But Nick, uh b- being the awesome dude he is, as you guys could tell us in that interview, he he's sending me another package. I'm very excited about it. All right, let, let's jump into Arizona State on Friday night. Huge, huge contest for this 2018-2019 Nevada program. Tip is a bummer. It's at 9 o'clock, super late, midnight Eastern. You wish you could have some of those eyeballs because, as we talked about with Nick, this is not only a resume win a resume game, this is a perception game for Nevada in terms I think the USC game and maybe even the Chicago maybe validated this this team in the high ranking uh to some people. But this really is gonna be it now. A top twenty team playing in the Staples Center. Like, here we go. Lights are on. It's so it's unfortunate it's such a late start, but when you were digging around, bro, what are, what's what's something you found about the the Sun Devils that we need to know? So what looks like, <clears throat> granted, like we've talked about with Pac-12 basketball being down, they're actually starting to turn around quite a bit. Their head coach, Bobby Hurley, mm-hmm. I got some of the stuff on him. It's their third year. Um, historically, against top 25, they've been pretty awful. But recently, since he's come in, they've got five wins over the top 25 in his you know, his tenure. Right. Um, I got them listed down here. They beat number two, Kansas. Last year, I don't know if anybody remembers that. So did, Can- so did so did Washington, by the way. Go dogs! Mm-hmm. But yeah, they beat Kansas. They also beat number fifteen Xavier last year. Uh, his second year, they beat USC when they were twenty three, and beat A and M his first year when they were eighteen. But went over number two Kansas. So it seems like Bobby Hurley's trying to get them more in the direction of facing stronger competition, not really having these weaker, you know, weak out of out of conference schedules. Right. But um. Yeah, they're a basketball program that's trending upward. No question. I mean, I think everyone remembers their start last year. You mentioned the win in Kansas. They were – Joe Lenardi had them on like the one or maybe even the, the – might have been the two line at some point. And then they just crumbled in Pac-12 play and ended up just sneaking mm-hmm. into the NCAA tournament. They, lo- they lost three starters from that team. And we'll get into this. Last year they were more of an offensive team. This year they're much more of a defensive team. But – this is, I, I think, one of the biggest games on Nevada's schedule, if not the biggest, just in terms of a, of a resume. Obviously, if Nevada's playing, uh, who do they got in their last? Is it San Diego State they have at home? Their last game of the regular season? I believe so. It might be. I mean, if, if that one's for a Mountain West title, I mean, maybe regular season, at least you might say that's the biggest game of the year. Yeah, it is San Diego State. But in terms of just building a resume, this is a quad one game. Hopefully, Arizona State can keep it together the rest of the year, and it remains a quad one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just means a ton for this team's. If it's is, is it going to be on the two line or three line because it's got that potential, or is it going to be wherever it ends up? But if it's going to be a super high seed, it almost needs to win this game. Uh, Arizona State is seven and zero, one of eleven unbeaten teams in all of college basketball. Nevada, obviously, including that number twenty nationally. Net, the NCAA evaluation tool, has Arizona State at 14, has Nevada at 11. 
So two pretty evenly matched teams, at least in terms of the net, the small sample size for that thing. Crazy stat about Arizona State. They've won 20 straight non-conference games. 20 straight. You son of a. I was going to use that, yeah. Got you, to, beat you to it. That's the longest active streak in Division One hoops. 20 straight non-conference games. That includes that win over Kansas. So they've done pretty well out of conference the last couple of years. And they have some pretty nice wins already this year. They have a win over Mississippi State, which is ranked like 15th time down here in Vegas. Mississippi State is uh, 31 in the net. Is that how you say it? In the net? They're net 31? They're in the, I don't know. And they've also I'm, beaten uh, Utah. I'm, anti, I'm, an, I'm anti-net, so. You're anti-net? Just the rim? Just yeah. the rim. Okay. Uh, and they also beat Utah State. Utah State's one loss, and that was a close game. Utah State is anti-net 18. Um, so I, I, as I mentioned... This is if Nevada's gonna get a super high seed. This is almost a must-win. Ken Palm, I should add real quick before I turn it over to you here. Not nearly as high on the Sun Devils. Ken Palm has the Sun Devils at number forty-two. So not not all the metrics mm-hmm. are a big fan of the Sun Devils so far. Yeah, and then I guess because you decided to take my nice little <laughs> streak, because I was gonna say they have a big streak at stake, but I'll move on. Uh, this is going to also go along with the coaching, just kind of the scheduling of what they're, you know, trying to advance the program. Because when they play Nevada, they also will be followed with Kansas again on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the fifth and sixth. There, do you want to talk about their out of conference, you know, schedule strength? Yeah. It's the fifth and sixth out of conference top 10 team that they're going to be playing since Hurley's taken over. Wow. So. You got a new, I mean, fairly new coach. This is now his fourth season, if I'm re, if I'm reading it correctly. But, um, they're, I mean, they're not they're not holding back at all. They're trying to advance. They're they're playing some some big names, some big teams, and big spots. So they're trying to prove what they got. Yeah, they're not gonna be overwhelmed. No, their their stud is a freshman guard. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his first name, Luguentz Dort. Mm-hmm. How about that for a name? 6'4", 215, he's averaging just shy of 22 points per game. He's a decent three-point shooter, 33%. And he has been living at the free throw line, living there the last few games. He shot – how many free throws do you want to guess he shot the last three games? Last three games, I'm going to guess he shot uh, – oh, man, averaging 50. I'm going to say 48. That would be a shit ton. Not that many. 34, 34 free throws again, uh, 34 free, three throws, free throws, 34 free throws. That's a tongue twister. There it is. The la- <laughs> nailed it. The last three. So just over about 11 a game, which is, that's a ton. Hasn't been great though. Shooting 63% from the line. And I should add their last win was over Texas Southern. He had eight turnovers in that game. So while he is scoring the basketball a lot, he is a freshman and that's a lot of turnovers in one game as a team. Yeah. Arizona State's averaging over 15 turnovers a game, and that's bad. That's a lot of turnovers. That's 273rd in the country, and part of that is because they play fast. They want they want to push the pace with Dort. They want to get him out in, in the open court. They're averaging almost 80 possessions a game. That's 14th in the country. Was there anything else you wanted to add, or did I steal that from you as well? You stole. You stole mine. <laughs> The, the, the so, last thing I, I wanted to add is 
Uh, Arizona State was an offensive team last year. They're more of a defensive team this year. I mentioned that. They're still averaging 86 points per game, which is pretty good, and part of that is the pace that, that they want to play at. But they're really – they hang their hat on defense this year. They have a lot of length. They have a lot of size. They're holding teams to 38.5% shooting from the floor. That's number 40 in the country. And they're using that size and that length to attack the glass. They're plus 13 rebounds a game. Plus 13 rebounds a game. That's unbelievable. Nevada's done a pretty good job rebounding this year, but they're not at that level. That's mm-hmm. seventh in the country. So that's going to be something to watch in this game for sure. They have five guys, really, that go between 6'7 and 6'10. So Nevada handled USC's length pretty well. Arizona State has... Uh, they don't have, I mean, they don't have any seven two guys running around, but they got a lot of guys who are, who are in that six seven, six eight, six nine range. Very, very similar to Nevada. So, uh, some similar makeups of team, of teams on Friday night. One of those guys, by the way, worth mentioning. Uh, Mountain West fans will remember this name. Zylan Cheatham, San Diego State transfer. Did I steal that from you as well? Just cut to the end of the podcast. I'm done. Bro, you need to bring some fresh perspective to the podcast. You know, I'm sitting there from my perspective. I thought the name was interesting. I was like, you know what, transferring out. I'm like, there's no – I was like, Nathan will definitely pick somebody else because this is too obvious. That was your favorite player in the roster? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that next. All right. Spoiler alert, he's mine also. We went, we went with the same guy. Uh, <laughs> he's averaging 12 and 10. Good work on our part. He's averaging 12 and 10 in his last game out, the game against uh, Texas Southern. Arizona State's second ever triple double. It's only happened twice in school history and What? Yeah. That's wild. Triple doubles are hard to do in college. We're just giving out participation trophies. We're saying triple doubles are hard. Come on, we gotta get tougher. Alright, bro. Go go uh go put up a triple double for us. I'm also five ten. You're making excuses? What a millennial. Good point. Give me behind the arc. <laughs> yeah, in, in that game against Texas Southern, 14 points, 13 boards, 10 assists. He was the Pac-12 player of the week. So we both just mentioned it. Our favorite player in the roster. Did you did you have any reasoning other than what I just said? Pretty much what you said. I had a couple stats. His size. He's from Phoenix. Yeah. Redshirt senior. We know him. Yeah, that was what I went. I mean, hit one. He has an, a a cool name. Two. He was uh, obviously familiar with the Mountain West. Three. Mm-hmm. He's a local kid, so he's from Phoenix and went to San Diego State, so it's a homecoming for him to come play at Arizona State. It was clearly an emotional experience for him to get the triple-double, and uh, and he can hoop. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, it's hard for me to – it was like you couldn't name a UNLV football player last week. I had a hard time picking an Arizona State basketball player because everyone in the Pac-12 can suck it other than, yeah. than the Huskies. <laughs> All right, what would you find for keys to victory in this one? Uh, this one, it's going to be just because, like we've talked about the situation, the scenario, it's a top 20 matchup, playing in LA. Um, basically, you got to do all the little things correctly. This is going to come down, like, this is a, a lot of what we've said, the East Coast people are probably not going to be able to catch the whole game. But this is one of those games where, you know, Nevada's rolling, they're winning these road games, things are kind of going correctly. This would be a, I'm not going to say an easy time for them to sit back, especially because of the situation them playing, you know, top 20 opponent. But this is kind of one of those games where you would think things have gone well. You might start getting a little comfortable and then a couple mistakes start flowing. That's the way I would view this. 
But mm. so ultimately, it's going to be doing all the, especially in this against this team, it's going to be doing all the little things correctly. I saw, I believe it was, is it Trayshawn Thurman or Jazz Johnson talk about this in uh, in a presser this week? They talked about that. That question was more or less addressed, and I don't remember the phrasing of the question, but mm. the, the answer was this: that we're not over, like we're preparing for every game the same way. Yeah. So we're going to prepare for a top 20 matchup against Arizona State the same way that we're going to prepare for Tulsa or that we're going to prepare for UMass. So they're coming in that like they're, they're approaching those mm-hmm. games the same way, which is what you want. You want there to be consistency in how games are prepped and how they're prepared for because naturally they're human beings like mentally you're going to look at teams differently. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, you know, as good as this team is. Everybody don't come at, don't come at me with pitchforks and stuff, but they're not a professional team. They are still younger guys. There are that room for those kind of mental errors. And that's one of the, the things this team has going for it is how old they are relatively to, to the college. Rel- yeah, game. Rel- rel- yeah, relatively. They got redshirt seniors. I mean, they got grown men on their roster, which is nice. I mean, when we talk about Arizona State's freshman guard, Dort, like Nevada's players are four or five years older than him. That that's gonna have some sort of advantage at some point in the game, you would think. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that I think Nevada needs to do in this one is avoid foul trouble. I mean, hopefully this game has some pace to it. The Lowe's call game was awesome, like, and the refs kind of swallowed their whistles in that game. That was a change of pace from what it's been a lot this year. We've seen a lot of foul call, a lot of fouls. So hopefully Nevada can avoid foul trouble because, as we mentioned, Nevada has depth, but Musk clearly is not comfortable using it. He, he he doesn't want to go to Jordan Brown, Corey Henson, or Nizre Zuzwa, at least not yet. And if you haven't relied on those guys, having to lean on them in a matchup that means this much is not an ideal scenario. Mm-hmm. Arizona State is not as talented, but it has the size matchup with Nevada, and it has more depth, at least depth that Hurley is willing to go to than Musk. That's easier said than done, but you're playing an Arizona State roster that has a lot of size. They can get to the bucket. So for me, it's playing a clean game, moving your feet, not making any silly fouls, and keeping yourself on the court. We don't need Caleb picking up two cheapies in the first half and having to to sit for the final 14 minutes of that first 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I will see if you knew this because I couldn't really fi- find this out. Their player Remy Martin is he injured? You put me on the spot like that. Well, I was gonna. I was just curious if you had read anything because they basically this guy Remy Martin last year, he was uh, the Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year. He last year didn't start a single game. He averaged nine and a half points. He had 94 assists and he shot uh, 75 and a half percent from the floor. So I was gonna say 75 and a half percent from the floor. He was 70. Oh, from, from sorry, the free, free throw, throw line, throws, maybe free yeah. throws, free throws, 71 and 94. Holy crap, that was that could have been a mistake. Um, but no, when I was looking at it, I couldn't figure it out because he had been playing roughly 30, 30, you know, 30 and some change mm-hmm. at the first couple games, but he has missed the last two games. They, I know they have a couple guys banged up. He might be one of them. Okay. Cause I was going to, they've had a, they've look, had a week off. I did, I did some clicking around and see what the injury report was, see if there were any updates. I, I couldn't find anything. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about him because just looking at, he, he seems like he's one of those guys that he doesn't put up any crazy numbers, but he's one of the, you know, what you call the glue, keeps right. the team together, keeps everything flowing well. But, um, yeah, so him, I guess it'll be, like you're saying, if you couldn't find him on the injury report, that'll be a, a question mark is seeing how well he does. Cause yeah. just looking at, I mean, if you're the Pac 12 six man of the year last year, you obviously 
have some sort of a, you have some sort of effect on the game. I want to see Nevada find a way to compete on the glass. I just burped. I mentioned. <laughs> nope, it's staying in. It's staying in. We're all natural. I mentioned how well or how good Arizona State is on the glass. Plus 13 rebounds per game. It's a it's a huge huge factor in Arizona State getting off to a, a 7 and 0 start. So again, we're looking at the big boys. Jordan Caroline, we're going to need some Caroline specials. Yes, but we really need him to hold his own on the glass against some dudes who are going to be taller than him. That's something he's certainly familiar with. Look at Mo Bamba against Texas in the first round last year. Uh Trayshawn Thurman, Trey Porter, Again, I don't know if we'll see Jordan Brown in this one. We may need to see Caleb and Cody Martin uh, attack the glass. But when Arizona State has such an advantage on the glass, Nevada is a good rebounding team, but not as good as Arizona State. That's going to be something to watch if Nevada can kind of neutralize that strength. Oh, I, I had those. Those are my two. But I guess if you want to talk about the boards, let's see how the Caroline special does. See if he can get some of the, in case he doesn't come up, get a couple offensive boards. Hmm. Well, I would include that in the Caroline special. It's him putting his head down, almost falling over, either getting the bucket or missing the bucket, grabbing the rebound, putting it back up, missing it again, grabbing it, it again, back. getting fouled, and making the shot. All right, that's a good point. We'll put we'll put the whole sequence of events together to make one Caroline special. Car- Caroline special is when he makes the bucket on the first shot. Caroline supreme is when it takes two shots or more. Whenever I hear like people add Supreme to the end, I just always think of like Taco Bell or something like That's fine. I love Taco Bell. Alright, there it is. I see, I see. There you go, Caroline. There you go. I like it. Alright, the Caroline special and the Caroline Supreme. I'm I'm excited about this. You don't. That's trademark, that's, that's trademark everybody. If I see one person tweet it without our approval. No, you can, you can tweet it, just need to tag us. Okay, I'll let that slide. Or we just find it and we'll just go full journalists on them. Please credit. Please credit. <laughs> please credit. Please credit. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to put that on Twitter. The last we'll thing. Be the, we'll be the watchdogs. <laughs> yep. Gotta be. The last thing I'll say is we, we talked about the pace that Arizona State likes to play at almost 80 possessions a game. I'll be curious to see if Nevada tries to, if they say, okay, let's play fast because that's something Nevada's certainly comfortable with or if they try to slow it down. Try and get them out of their element. Yeah, try to slow them down a little bit, maybe frustrate them if, if they're trying to run. And, and the way you slow down a team that wants to play that fast is you make buckets. You, you don't let them gr- grab rebounds and, and push the pace. Make, uh, make some buckets, make them go the full 80, 80 feet, make them inbound the ball. And that gives you time, obviously, to get back on defense. So, um, I will be very curious to see the pace of this one. I think there's a pretty good chance that these, te- this turns into an up and down game. We'll see mm-hmm. if Muss is comfortable doing that. What do you got for a prediction? 77-72 Nevada. 77-72. So you got winning by five. Yeah. Nevada is averaging 88 points per game. Mm-hmm. Arizona State's averaging 86 points per game. How about this for a prediction? 88-86. They're, they're uh, what's, two. What's, 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 what's a side wager for who's closer? Well, what you got them, you got it a five point game. Uh huh. Well, I'm saying t- you want to do it collectively, collective points or margin of victory. So it'd be basically saying, do you want to bet in the spread of the total? Yeah. Ba- basically yeah. Basically like, saying. like who's who, like the final score is, is I'm, am I going to be closer? Or are you going to be closer? 
you'd factor in how many points off I am from Nevada and how many points uh, off okay. I am from Arizona State. You got it 75, 70, 77, 72? Yeah. Because we'll get into this later, this will factor into the weekend plans. <laughs> if, if Nevada holds Arizona State to 72 points, defense has been balling. I don't know. You you could be right. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my guns. I'll say I'll be closer, but we'll see. All right. Loser, what are we, we going to bet? Loser buys a beer this weekend. Okay. Deal. And then betting angle. This is something we might have to get away from this basketball season because the spread still isn't out yet. You got a guess? Uh, top 25 matchup. Uh, we are spot on last week. Five and a half. Yeah, for USC, we um, nailed that one. I'm going to guess it's going to be smaller I'm, I would venture the, I still think Nevada's, I, Nevada's gonna be favored, but I would say it's gonna be like three and a half or four. Yeah, I think somewhere in the three to four range would be my guess as well. And then quick turnaround for this team after the Arizona State win on Friday night. See what I did there? They go to Phoenix and play Grand Canyon on Sunday afternoon. 2.30 tip on ESPNU. Uh, what's something we need to know about the Lopes? Well, we're not, we're playing another big venue. Like, you know, going back, we playing the Staples Center and then we're playing at Talking Stick. Yeah. So Grand Canyon, they're going to be bringing everything they got. I mean, that's, they're the local team. They're playing, the, they're the home guys. So they're going to want to feel that just as much. It's actually funny because when I was uh, looking last night to do my research, just to kind of how we've talked about how whenever anybody plays Nevada, this is going to be their championship. This is going to be their biggest game of the year. Right. They had that on just the Athletics Grand Canyon's website. That was before you even got onto the main site. Before you, like, before I clicked on basketball or football or baseball or whatever. They had the main thing: make sure you get your tickets for when Nevada comes to town. Yeah. So it just shows that they're they're already gonna be jacked up. They're they're just as excited about this. Yeah. Yep. Spot on. It's funny because in a, every team Nevada plays this year, you mentioned it's gonna be the Super Bowl. The role's kind of reverse for the Arizona State game. Arizona mm-hmm. State's going to have its chances to pick up some yeah. quality wins this year. I think the Pac-12 is not great, but they're going to be able to pick up some marquee wins. Nevada, this like this is the best chance for a resume win against Arizona State. Grand Canyon, not so much. I mean, there was a lot of hype around Grand Canyon this year. A lot of people circling this one as like one of the tougher games on the schedule. But the fact it's at Talking Stick Arena and not at Grand Canyon, I think, mm-hmm. is worth pointing out. That's a bigger, much bigger arena. I don't think there's going to be that many people there. It's no. not. It, it's, they're not going to think they're on top of the floor. It's going to be a different environment. I think that plays into Nevada's hands more than it plays into Grand Canyon's hands. Um, just in the fact that Grand Canyon is not going to have, there'll there'll be more Grand Canyon fans there than Nevada fans, but it won't be as nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lopes are five and three this year. 4-0 at home. This is obviously a technically, quote-unquote, a neutral, neutral site. Yeah. Last time out for Grand Canyon, a two-point win over Boise. Boise was up by 11 at one point. Boise's having a nightmare start to the season, by the way. <laughs> what? I got to tell you to just stop talking. You're taking, you're taking my talking points. <laughs> I'm glad you started listening out I, there. You need to be better. I was go, Yeah, I was going to go into that Boise, but I guess I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> Some some metrics real quick on Grand Canyon. Uh Ken Palm has him at 137. Not great. Uh the net or the rim. Let's call it the rim. Mm. The rim has Grand Canyon at 203. So Woo! as of now, 
this is a quadrant three game, and it's not far from a quadrant four game. We would, we would hope Grand Canyon's going to improve this year in the WAC, but as a quadrant three, potentially even a quadrant four, this is pretty close to a must win for this team. Otherwise, it's going to be a serious smudge on the resume. What else well, you got? Higher, the higher the number, the better, right? 201, that's good? Yes, that's actually <laughs> very good for Nevada. Only Nevada, okay. though. It, it, it's bad for everyone else, but good for Nevada. That's, okay. that's very astute. <laughs> Some good logic we got. <laughs> um, so they got a player on their team, Michael Fink or Finky. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Finky. with Fink. Finky. Finky. Well, him and Caroline, they competed each other, competed against each other in junior high school and high school until Caroline ended up moving to a uh, moved to Florida, went to a better basketball school for his last two years, but. So these guys played each other before. It's now you got in a bigger arena, bigger venue. It'll be fun. I think that'll be a fun thing to watch just between those guys going from, you know, playing each other in the middle school gym to now you're playing in high school and now you're playing at where the Phoenix Suns play against yeah. each other. So that'll be a, a little, that'll probably be a little story or a little sequence within the game that I'll be paying attention to. Yeah. Those guys have come a long way from Champaign, Illinois. Or it's crazy. It's it's crazy how things like that work out, you know. Like going to you grow up together. Like you said, Caroline transfers out to a different high school. Somehow he randomly ends up at Nevada from Illinois. You got this guy now is at Grand Canyon of all schools, and now they're playing each other. And it's just well, it's they, weird how it's weird how little storylines. They both have tra- they they both are transfers. They're both mm-hmm. from Champaign, Illinois. I don't want to spoil too much of it. Cause it well, spoiler alert again. He was my favorite player on the roster. I'll, I'll get more into the kind of the funny coincidence okay. between him and Jordan. Uh, but back to Grand Canyon. They are brutal from deep, offensively and defensively. They struggle. There's a massive disparity in, uh, against them from deep. Offensively, they're shooting just over 30%. That's 283rd or ranked 283 in all college basketball. If that's how you want to position it. Defensively, teams are shooting almost 34%. That's 210th in the country. And you know for a Nevada team that's played pretty well defensively from the line and is starting to really find it, it, it shot, uh, they're not looking ahead to this game yet, but they're licking their chops. Uh, they will be after the Arizona State game looking at that. Um, that's certainly a weakness for this Grand mm-hmm. Canyon team. Did you have anything else? I said those. The last thing I was going to add about Grand Canyon, their stud is uh Alessandro Lever. He's a sophomore big man from Italy. 6'10", 230. He was a first-team preseason whack selection. He's averaging a team-high 13 points per game. What's kind of interesting about him is that 6'10", he has less than, he's averaging less than five rebounds per game. So... Can he just not move? He can't move. I think he... he he stretches the floor. He can shoot the ball a little bit. He's 7 of 18 from deep this year, so he might be one of those players who play a big man who's comfortable playing more mm-hmm. away, further away from the rim. That would be maybe one of my explanations for it. And yeah. Grand Canyon last year, what made, them, what made them such a trendy pick this year when people got excited about Grand Canyon and people looked at this game on the schedule at the start of the year was really that they played great defense last year. They were a defensive team. They were like number 22 in the country in defensive field goal percentage, and that just hasn't been the case this year. They're really mediocre in field goal percentage, points per game allowed. So they've their identity from last year as being a great defensive team um, isn't there, at least not yet. Favorite player on the other roster? I'll let you go first because we know who mine is. I just went from uh... – 
I'll guess I'll say somewhat local from where we're from. There is Isaiah Brown. He's a junior guard. He went to Lakeside from Linwood, Washington. Mm. They had a couple um, Washington guys on their roster, right? Yeah, I thought they had. I think two, maybe yeah. three, but I'm I know at least two. Um, the interesting statistic about him is that we will not get to see him play because he is redshirting because he transferred from Northwestern. No, oh, power five transfer. Yeah. So. All right, my my guy as as you mentioned is Michael Finke. Uh grad he actually tra- so he transferred from Illinois. So he was in the Big 10 and then transferred to Grand Canyon. The reason he chose to transfer is his brother is a freshman on the roster, Tim. So you got two sets of brothers going at it on Sunday between the Finkies and the Martins and then you throw in the fact that uh, Michael Finke played against Jordan in high school. They're both from Champaign, Champaign, Illinois. Population of Champaign, by the way, I looked up. Do you want to guess? Oh, my God. I have no clue. 85,000. Uh, 80, 85,000. 85, okay. So I would have been nowhere near that. Maybe a quarter of the size of Reno. And they're, they're, both, they're both from there. And now they're playing at Talking Stick Arena against each other in a top 20 matchup. Or no, that'd be Arizona, that'd be Arizona State. But anyway... Mm-hmm. The, the chances of that happening are, are slim. Pretty pretty crazy. What do you got for a prediction? I am going to say the double-digit victories are going to start up again. Um, I'm saying they're going to win by 11. 83-72. 83-72? Mm-hmm. We're not far off here. Um, I'd be more nervous about this game if it was at Grand Canyon. I know a lot of Nevada fans are worried about this game. But as I was clicking around, I mean, the the thing that scares me most about this game is that Nevada's played so many games away from home. We were talking about it. It's been a month since they've played a game in Reno. The guy's probably tired. It'd be easy to start looking forward to to playing a game at home, Going getting back, back to Reno. Yeah. But statistically, you look at everything, Grand Canyon has been pretty average. And that's especially true according to a lot of the predictive metrics. So Grand Canyon get, will get a boost. It's their Super Bowl. I got Nevada winning this one 84-75. Yeah, we're right neck and neck. Not far. So no Nevada football game coming up, at least not this weekend, but they will be playing December 29th in the Arizona Bowl. We'll transition here to some football stuff against Arkansas State and Tucson. We won't get too much into game preview stuff, but just what what are um, a couple quick initial thoughts on the, on the bowl announcement? Um, Well, looking at – I saw the line was already out. or The line's already out, but we can't get a line for the Arizona State game. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I saw Nevada. So if anybody's getting ready or wants to monitor, cause that's kind of one of the beauties of, especially football when the lines come out, you know, normally week to week, you know, you have five or six days to get ready yeah. to make the bet. But when you have this amount of time, cause right now I'll just, I'll say it, Nevada's plus one and the over under is 60. So now that you have so much time, these are one of those kind of fun things where you can monitor the line and kind of see where it's going. Yeah. And then you can strategically bet, obviously, you know, you can see if the line's, you know, trending towards Nevada getting closer, you know, more towards uh, uh, just even or Nevada getting favored. You can see it move and you got to pounce it quick. But yeah. those are one of those other fun ones where, say, you think Nevada's going to win, but it keeps moving towards Arkansas State's favor. Then you can just get to sit there. Yeah, you get to sit there and keep watching the points get bigger and bigger. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I, I would expect the line to, I wouldn't, I should say, I don't, I don't expect it to shift a ton because you, you look at these teams and, uh, another shout out to Chris Murray. He's been all over it. If you look at these teams, there are a ton of similarities statistically, 
Um, you look at the quarterback position, the numbers, the experience there are, are similar. Are you rolling your eyes because you were going to go down the same road? I was just gonna say, have have faith, have faith for the fun of bowl season. That something. Crazy oh, I'm so excited! Happen. I'm so excited about it. But I, I think people are gonna look at that and say, those are two similar teams. It's basically a pick 'em. I, I would be surprised if that thing gets above a point and a half either way. I think it's gonna stay pretty close. Even even as many have pointed out, the the mascots very similar. The Red Wolves versus the Wolf Pack. Yeah. What do you have anything else to add about the the bowl game on December twenty ninth? Yeah. The last thing I was just gonna say real quick is. Looking in the grand scheme of things, especially after dropping last week to UNLV, very disappointing. Not the way, especially you would want to send the seniors out, the battle for Nevada and stuff. But looking in the grand scheme of things, you get this win. You end the season on eight wins. You nearly triple last season's total. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, that this season now doesn't matter and it's an issue because we lost to UNLV. And I, I do kind of understand that logic a little bit where it's like, you know, you, you definitely want to beat UNLV who's struggling and, and you lose in that fashion too. That definitely doesn't help your case. Right. But when you move from three wins in a season, losing to an FCS program to now you have eight wins, you, I mean, arguably could have, should have ended with nine. I mean, I, I still, I'm still going to count this season as success. Yeah, I've heard a number of people tell me that on Twitter that they they don't care about the ball. It was all about the UNLV game, and I I totally get it. Like it's mm-hmm. frustrating as we talked about to not only lose that game but to lose it in that fashion to blow a 23 nothing lead. And obviously, part of it too is you let UNLV end the season on an up note, and you and you could have just really made this Squash, a season from hell for them. Yeah, now they feel good about winning four games this year or whatever it was for them. Yeah. Um, speaking of UNLV, Arkansas State did play UNLV this year. It's their one common opponent and beat them at home 27-20 in September. Nevada should have beat UNLV at UNLV by a million. (laughs) It's it's worth noting too that this game, so it's on a Saturday morning, December 29th. The game starts at 10-15 a.m. Nevada, Utah, hoops is at 11 a.m. that morning. So we got a lot of Nevada going on that Saturday morning. It's going to be a great Saturday. It will be a great Saturday. Okay, let's jump into some slants. We're going to start with weekend plans. We have very similar plans this weekend. Uh, you want to tell the people what we're up to? Well, uh, approximately 9 p.m.-ish. I actually don't know the real time from what you texted me. You and your girlfriend, Tara, will be arriving. I'll be picking you guys up from the airport, and we will be on our way to Tahoe. Yes, sir. weekend up. Spend the weekend up at a cabin, and so snowboard. Probably engage. I probably have a couple adult beverages to relax after snowboarding. And before, and during. I didn't say that. Um, chair beers, yeah. chair beers. So I, so I actually think you know more about what's going on than I do. So I'll let you take. Because all I know is that I'm picking you up, taking you to the cabin. I have no clue where this cabin is. I have. I'm very limited on information. So I'll let you. Take it. Take I mean, it from I mean, that's basically it. Tara's brother, Zach, uh, graduating from or getting his MBA at Nevada. So really cool for Zach. That's what we're going up and celebrating. It's in North Lake. I'm a little nervous. I mean, hopefully the, how much do you guys, how much snow do you guys get? I mean, the valley, like there's still snow hanging around. I mean, it's nothing like we didn't get six inches. I mean, maybe, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at guesstimating, but I'd probably say maybe Two and two, three inches in most places. Like that's the thing I was saying is the roads are fine. The roads are all cleared out now. It's yeah. just you know. We'll see. But yeah, so land at um land at nine, which is when Nevada and Arizona State will be tipping off, and hopefully 
going up past Mount Rose is always a little sketchy because you get up to like 80,000 feet or whatever that thing is at the summit. <laughs> and hopefully we'll get to the cabin in time to watch uh, the second half with an adult beverage in hand up at oh, Tahoe. And that's uh, a... Wait. The way I drive, I'll guarantee you we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a good time. Excited to be up in Reno and Tahoe this weekend for certain. Games of the weekend. I'll let you start. All right. So I got two NFL games, the ones that stood out to me the most. The Ravens at the Chiefs. You got Kansas City favored by 6.5, over under 53.5. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs are doing what the Chiefs are doing. The Ravens are hanging around. They're 7-5, and five, so that would be a huge win in Arrowhead. That's historically a tough place to play and especially how good the Chiefs' offense is. But No cream hunt. I, no cream hunt. Chiefs' D has been slacking. I, yeah, it might be a letdown game. Might, and that, might well, be- the Ravens suddenly, with the Steelers losing a couple in a row, they're starting to kind of look around saying, hey, like that's a big game might, for the Ravens. That's what I'm saying. Might do a little Ravens money line, sprinkle some money on there. Mm-hmm. Um the other one, handy before the Saints, because um, they they lost last week, correct? To the Cowboys on Thursday night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they lost on Thursday night. Prior to that, their only loss was to the Buccaneers. Bucks, right. Week one at home too, because that was they were double digit favorites. No, I think they were like nine point favorites that week. Um, but yeah, playing playing in Tampa, they're favored by eight. Over under fifty six. Uh, I have a feeling that there are just going to be a million points scored in this game. Obviously, with the 56 over under, that helps my logic. But Winston, that's all the Buccaneers can do is just throw the ball all over the place. That's what the Saints have been doing is throwing the ball there, throwing the ball to the running backs and stuff. So, a lot of points. Check the over on that one. But those are my two games. So obviously. There's no, there's one college game this week. I'm so sad that we're at this point now where the college mm-hmm. season is, we're, we're a bowl season away from ending. And we do have Army Navy this weekend. I, uh, yep. intend on being on the mountain. So I will not see that, but people get excited about that one. I never really have noon on no. CBS that one. Army is seven point favorite in that one. And I'll mention before getting NFL stuff real quick here. We're going to do, I used to do this when I was at the Sparks Tribune. We want to do a ESPN bowl mania. So we're going to do the Reno Slant Bowl Mania. So if you have an ESPN Fantasy account, it's super easy to sign up. If you don't have an account, it, it's really a simple process. But the league is or the group is called The Reno Slant. And we'll do this to make it a little bit interesting. I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this or, or what the rule is. But I have a $25 gift card to the stick that I've had for like a year. And that will be the prize. We're going to do confidence yeah. points. Got to do confidence points to make it a little more interesting. So just go to ESPN Bowl Mania. You can do the ESPN Fantasy app. Find the Reno Slant group. I'm in, I think I'm the only one in there because I, I made the group today. And the winner of that thing, um, I'll happily mail you a $25 gift card to the stick. That's a better use for it than yeah. I would. I would end up just buying probably like six Coors Lights. So um, well, hopefully, hopefully that's what you get to do with it. That's what that's what you guys can do with it. So hopefully, hopefully you guys um, join that. I'll t- I'll tweet out the link um, to make it a little bit easier for you guys as well. NFL Week 14. It's so depressing. We're at this point. Like it's the beginning of the end. I know it really is. <laughs> uh, it's another gonna be another fun red zone day. Um, a little bit more balanced this week. We talked about this last week. Eight games, the 10 a.m. window. Five, the one o'clock window. So five afternoon games is pretty nice. There we go. Pretty nice. Only three matchups. What? 
Well, I was just gonna say because when they do that, when they only have like four games or whatnot in the afternoon, sometimes with the red zone it gets a little slow because yeah. there's not really much going on, and you get those little wolves where yeah. you're about to watch a 60 yard drive, and it's like I don't want to watch this. Nope, there's gonna be some action th- this All this right. Sunday afternoon. I'm excited about it. Only three matchups between teams with winning records. You mentioned uh, Ravens Chiefs. You also have the Rams at the Bears on Sunday Night Football. It's a good Sunday Night game. Rams 11 and 1, Bears 8 and 4. Rams have already clinched the NFC West. Uh, Bears up a game and a half on the Vikings. And yes, I'm biased. But the Monday night game this weekend, or this coming weekend, is maybe the biggest game of the weekend, I would venture to say. Vikings at Seahawks. A huge one in the NFC wildcard race. The Vikings 6, 5 and 1. The Seahawks at 7 and 5. The Vikings basically need this one. Both of them could certainly use it. I think that's going to be a fun matchup. And I love my Seahawks at home in primetime. We we dominate in those games. And they are running the crap out of the ball right now. I love it. Back to the good old days. Mm. Okay, let's jump into some Twitter questions from you guys. Thank you to all of you who submitted questions again this week. You guys are the best. No doubt. Um, First question we got from Blake. So we haven't addressed this yet because it was obviously a storyline this week and we wanted to save it for Twitter questions. Blake asks, any insight to why our top two players are transferring? Obviously talking about McLean Mannix and Nephi Sewell. Um, is this just the norm to happen in a group of five programs or is there something going on internally? So this story did have an update today. McLean Mannix uh, gave a statement to Nevada Sportsnet and really was vulnerable with the public and like look this is the reason i don't know if did you i don't know if you saw it adam i did, i did not i didn't catch it but basically mclean's mom several years ago was i think it was a car accident and she went got severely burned like severely mm-hmm. burned on her back and ultimately get, ended up getting ptsd from it oh. and with the fires this year in california, in california it, it triggered the ptsd she couldn't come to games anymore and it became obviously a really difficult situation. So there was a lot of speculation on Twitter, a lot of anger on Twitter, certainly. I, for me, that puts that one to bed. The other one out there then is Nephi Sewell. I don't ever want, want to speculate about what's going on because I'm not going to pretend to be plugged into that locker room and know all, all the ins and outs. There are red flags, certainly. And to me, I mean, you obviously have Nephi's brother is at Oregon, and there's a lot of speculation he's going to go to Oregon. And I think the reason there's so much anger is that he said it was for personal reasons. He was homesick, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. The biggest red flag to me, though, is that Jay Norvell in his presser came out and pretty much said, look, this is what's happening. He he did all but but say that, and he even mentioned Oregon in his press conference saying, hey, like, I don't want to be a, we don't want to be a minor league for the power five programs. And we had Doug Newth on last week and Doug was talking, was talking at length about how, how Jay is a man of character and a man of integrity. And he certainly doesn't strike me as one who's going to go public with completely baseless claims. Like, yeah, he has, he has no idea about this and now he's going to go public with it and put himself in that situation. My, my guess would be that if, He's going public with it. He has a pretty good idea, a pretty good understanding of what's actually happening. Yeah. So I, I, I get the frustration. I totally do. I also think that if you're a player and there's a better situation out there for you, you should be able to go. And for fans, mm-hmm. that might be tough to hear. Like that's how life works. 
Yeah. That I think a solution could be transparency. Like, look, if you want to transfer to a better program, I certainly can't blame you for it. I just got a new job a month ago because it was a better situation for me. No one got all up in arms about it. If there's a better situation out there for you, you should be able to take advantage of it. But don't lie to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be maybe a solution because, like, it's – yeah. That's where a lot of that, that stuff gets – I think that's where a lot of the anger gets rooted. A lot of the, the anger, you know, it could be pretty preemptive. But like you said, we've seen the situation before. Look at – uh oh, my God, I'm going to forget his name. The guy, he's at Bama, the linebacker, Cahoe, or uh, Brandon Cahoe. Cahoe, that's what it is. I mean, how untransparent he was with that whole situation. There's still a bunch of question marks. Yeah, okay, we'll say allegedly. but For, I'm for personal I, reasons, he had to go to Alabama. Yeah, for personal reasons, the next day he had to go to Tuscaloosa, which is clear, <laughs> regardless. But, yeah, I'll back that up. Just be transparent about it, and if people are angry, I mean, people are going to be angry. People get angry about everything. So people are always going to be mad. But I guess if you are transparent, it'll alleviate at least some of it. We don't know for certain if it happened in the situation, but we it happens. Like, it happens. College programs recruit players away from other college programs. And if you don't think it happens, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it just ha- it just happens. It's it's easier to transfer now. It's just, it's it's out there. And the, the Communic- communication can be way, they can be reached so many different ways. It could be hidden. I mean, it's if a player is maybe unhappy or maybe a parent doesn't like the decision, it's one text to the recruiter, and then that conversation gets going. The recruiter doesn't have to talk to the kid directly. He can he can talk to the parents. I think that's still an NCAA yeah. violation, but it's 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 that easy. It or is. Or just have him talk to have him talk to a booster that talks to what what parents or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know yeah, what's happening. Again, we don't know that's happening in the scenario. We have no information. But there are red flags. No question. Is it something that happens normally? It happens all the time. It's just a unique situation because the timing of the McLean Mannix thing and the fact that mm-hmm. McLean Mannix was as good as he was and Nephi School is as good as he is, it just it just makes it look worse than maybe it is. Yeah. Either way, it, it, it's unfortunate for the Nevada football program. Hope the best for the mm-hmm. kids. No question. You've never re- wish ill against a – 20, 21 year old kid who's just going, trying to make a better situation for him, but it's bummer for the, for the program. Mm-hmm. Kai Dollasign, do you think long term it will be hard to keep group of five football players from leaving to power five? I think it depends entirely on the kid. And yeah. That, and, and that will be, well, what, what do you got? I'll let you go before I add my piece. Well, just real quick on it. I mean, yeah, you can argue that because Power Five obviously gets a little more recognition, you know, a little more screen time. But I mean, you look at the and like, look, look, just look at this from this perspective. The percentage of these kids that are going to go and play in the NFL is fairly small, and this is the way I look at it. Like percentage wise, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. So yeah, there's going to be those select few guys that maybe do have a shot and they're, you know, they're in the group of five and then they do need to go to the power five because then they'll get more recognition, they'll get more screen time, better opponents, whatever. But collectively, I don't think this is going to be like some huge NCAA wide issue that is now going to start causing all these different, you know, realignments and new rules. And I, I don't see it that way. At least not yet. I mean, Jay Norvell obviously is concerned about it during, with his comments. Mm-hmm. That he made this week. The opportunity is always going to be there. I think part of it is if recruiting wasn't hard enough as is you, when you're recruiting, just try to, if you can, to, to the best of your ability, try to determine the kids' intentions. 
Yeah. Like, is he going to try to use our program as a stepping stool or does he actually want to be here and, and believe in what we're trying to accomplish here? And that's really hard to do. Really hard to do. Get him to register, get, get him to the DMV and get him to register to vote when you recruit him. <laughs> cause, cause they know they're not going to want to go to the DMV in the next state. <laughs> it's not bad, actually. It's not bad. All right. Lemieux asks, besides ASU, switching to basketball now, what remaining out of conference game scares you the most? So the ASU obviously on Friday, Grand Canyon on Sunday. Then they come home for South Dakota State next. So then it's, Three Saturday games in a row. South Dakota State at home, Akron at home, then at Utah to wrap up non-conference on Saturday the 29th, same day as the bowl game. What ge- do you, what game are you looking at? Utah, at Utah, at Utah one. Yeah, you're playing at you're playing at Utah. Like you said, you said this in a couple of pod episodes earlier, but that's gonna be a total bring your own energy. It's in between Christmas and New Year's. Everybody's gonna be out of town. They got all these other plans going on. Um. It's and especially to end to wrap up non-conference too. It's you know I it's one of those games that just makes you like I I looked at that last night and was kind of like man if if they're gonna slip yeah that's that's the game I see the slip at and saw, and like and Utah hasn't been overwhelmingly good or anything this year you know they've yeah. been they've been keeping up but yeah, yeah that's I've the seen, game that's the game I'm thinking I've about. seen a lot of people point to the Grand Canyon game and as I mentioned I I think. Grand Canyon, maybe in a lot of people's minds, is better than it actually mm-hmm. is. Uh, I'm not nearly as concerned. And I, again, I think the fact that the game's at Talking Stick Resort Arena instead of at Grand Canyon um, takes away from Grand Canyon's advantage. That's a better way to put it. Utah is is the game that, that I'm looking looking at. It's for the reasons you just mentioned. It's you're out of routine now. It's that weird week between Christmas and before New Year. You're totally out of your normal routine you're on the road you got utah state coming up in a few days to start conference play utah state's been pretty good this year been a huge surprise although last i checked they're getting their butts kicked by yeah they're getting ran at byu tonight they're down 51 32 right now with the 130 left in the first Jeez, that's not great but um so it'd be easier this this is the stereotypical trap game and it's on the road against the pac-12 team everyone talks about how tough it is to play at the huntsman center I don't know that it'll be that crazy in there, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, because you're not going to have the students on campus, at least not most of them. So that helps. Well, well, if the fans are anything like they were when you and I went out to Utah when UW played them in football a couple years ago, they'll, they'll be, be very both teams. they'll be very welcoming they'll to be Nevada. Both teams. <laughs> the, the, they'll, this, wear those, they'll wear those half jerseys, the half Nevada, half Utah. Yeah. As long as you guys all have fun. I mean, it really was yeah. like that. They were so nice out there. Freaked me out. The one game at South Dakota State obviously has the NBA big man on their roster. The game that no one's talked about is Akron. And on on paper, just mentally, you say Akron, no yeah. problem. But Akron is six and two this year. Their defense is allowing fifty nine points per game. That's eleventh in the country. Teams are shooting thirty eight percent from the field. That's thirty first in the country. They're shooting twenty nine percent from three. That's third in the country. Defensively, those are defensive statistics, obviously. They played one really good team this year. That was Clemson, and it was like in the Bahamas or the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know. One of those preseason, the- early season <laughs> tournaments around Thanksgiving. And they mm-hmm. lost by three. Clemson was like number 16 at the time. So that, that Akron game. Sneaky. Sneaky. Uh, question from Andrew over email. <laughs> Is it just me or does Las Vegas look more and more like the capital from the Hunger Games every time I visit there? 
Do you get a capital vibe when you come down here? All right, here we go. I've never seen Hunger Games. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, so. That's poor. Yeah. You, <laughs> our stereotype of, of, of seeing movies is really poor and you did it no favors there. Although I think we'll get less crap for that. Yeah, since it's more recently. I, I just don't see movies. I watch The Office every day. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Blake asks, with five games left in out-of-conference, what teams scare you the most in the Mountain West Conference? If you had to guess what Nevada's record in conference play, what are you thinking? So games scared about most in conference play, I think you have to go – I go straight to the at San Diego State. We went to and mm-hmm. see the preview stuff, how much yep. of a t- tough time Nevada's had playing San Diego State, period, let alone at San Diego State. They just had a nightmare in that gym. So at San Diego State, certainly Utah State starting to look sneaky. UNLV, ugh, but we, we just saw UNLV football do something special. So UNLV yeah. is going to play up, especially, you know, they're going to, they're pissed off about Nevada being where it is right now. <laughs> um, I think Boise will turn it around in conference play, start getting a little bit better, but I, I think I'd probably go to the San Diego State road game. Be the one I'm most concerned about in terms of Mountain West record. I mean, how, how many losses? Would you put would you put down for conference play? Um, I would say two, two at San, that at San Diego State one, and then I guess it gives you room to either at UNLV, Utah um, State, Utah State. Yeah, they're I saw they're doing all right. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cap it at two. There's been a lot made about how tough travel is in the Mountain West, and a three losses in conference play is is awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, depending considering how tough travel is in this uh, conference and how tough some of the gyms are. And you got a target on your back the entire season. The, the entire season. That said, Nevada is far and away the most talented team in the, in this conference. They are the most experienced team in this conference. They clearly have their eyes set. I think they've done a good job of preparing for games this year. Something we talked about, again, I can't remember if it was Trayshawn Thurman or Jazz Johnson talking about preparation before games. I, I would say any anything better than two or better would be great. Mm-hmm. W- really would be success. The losses are going to be seen as a disappointment because they're going to be the teams who probably aren't ranked. But it's conference opponents. There's a lot of familiarity. It happens. Yeah. It happens. So I'll, I'll say two. Two losses. Fake Matt Mummy, our boy. What are your thoughts oh, on please don't please don't be about a movie? <laughs> what are your thoughts on Seattle getting an NHL team? What should their name, colors, and mascot be? And how bad will the Golden Knights crush them? So we haven't talked about this at all. What, what, what are your thoughts? So I mean, you know, I'm not a huge hockey guy, but I'll st- I'm gonna start rooting for him. Hell yeah. Uh- I mean, I'll definitely be tuning in a lot more. I mean, I watched a couple Golden Knights games last year, but I'll definitely be watching more. I, I just think it's exciting because Seattle's a big enough market that they should be having it. I mean, we won't go down the rabbit hole of the basketball talk, but Ugh. it's nice that Seattle's kind of getting recognized. They're getting a hockey team becoming part of the, you know, part of that union, part of the whole yeah. NHL organization. But I just think it's exciting too. Anytime you have an expansion team and when you have an expansion team that's, you know, f- close to from where you're from, it obviously hits a little harder, a little closer. Like if there was an expansion team in, I don't know, Indianapolis or something, I would be like, yeah, I, don't I wouldn't care, care at all. Care at all. But yeah. no, I just think it's super exciting. 
I'm super fired up about it. This is something that's been in the works for a few years now. And it was just this, the vote this week was basically a formality. It was unanimous. It's an mm-hmm. awesome market. That city is going to go bonkers for that hockey team. Like they're, like, yeah. they're going to go ballistic. You know something I just thought about? What? You're going to start having that rivalry now between Vancouver and Seattle. Vancou- all Can- Va- Vancouver and Seattle is going to be huge. Huge rivalry. And they're going to be in the same division as Vegas, by the way. I think that's part of the question, reason for that question. As far as, uh, team names, there, there already was a book that came out with some odds here. The favorite so, is the Totems, minus 105. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's problematic, Totems. That's going to get him in trouble. Yeah, if you, I mean, if people are trying to get the Washington Redskins to change their name, Totems is going to be around for a year and a half. Yeah, that, the, the way we're going, that's going to be controversial at some point. So, but that is yeah. the favorite. Then there's the Emeralds at plus 400. The Rainiers is the Coleman Rainiers, Mariners AAA team, plus 700. The Sockeyes, so the Sockeye Salmon, the Kraken. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the Kraken. Unleash the Kraken. <laughs> uh, you have the Renegades, the Sea Lions, the Seals, the Evergreens, Evergreen Tree, the official tree mm-hmm. of Washington, the Whales, the Cougars, the Eagles, and the Firebirds. That's what you can bet on right now, at least. Yeah, I saw. I saw some somebody had posted. I like the, all those my songs. favorite in that is the Emeralds. The I em- like the Emeralds. The Emeralds Emerald City. The, yeah, that's what I was saying. Emerald City, but I also like Sockeyes too. Mm. I think you. Yeah, got, I think because you could do. I mean, with those a lot of like the old like uh, like the Native American drawings of the fish and stuff. I think you could do some pretty interesting stuff with the uniforms. Oh, definitely. But I like yeah, the Emeralds. Emerald. As far as colors go, you mentioned it. You mentioned the songs. Do songs colors. Yep. Yep. Do that. Do the green and the yellow with the white. I don't mm-hmm. know that there's a team in the NHL that has that color scheme. What about the wild? Well, they got some red. Yeah. They're, they, well, their, their red is more of a dark red. Mm-hmm. Cause the Sonics, before they left, they started incorporating some red in there. I'm saying let's, let's do the Gary Payton Sonics where it's just it green, yellow, and white. Do it. Love it. That'd be, that'd be my vote. But they will beat the Knights. Fake my mummy. Well, one of the big developments was the NHL said that the Seattle franchise is going to have the same expansion rules as the Knights had. And everyone was, was crying after the Knights were so good that they had some unfair advantage and that wasn't the case. It was just everyone was whining. It, yeah. it really, you could position it as it made the, made the NHL look bad that a team can just pop up and then <laughs> almost win the Stanley Cup final. That was my logic last year. I loved it. <laughs> I wanted them to keep going. I was like, NHL looks terrible. Yeah. Last question from Thomas. Thomas, my boy, pitched to read for a few years. He actually lives not too far from me now. He lives down here in Henderson. Projecting into March, Zags versus Pack with a spot in Minneapolis on the line. Final four in Minneapolis this year. Who you got and why? It's a battle of the small coaches. Mm. Good take. Uh. Strong take. <laughs> Has a lot of effect on what goes on in the court. Obviously. Um, God, this is, I'm kind of torn here. Um, I'm going to go Nevada. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to play that role. I'm just going to say they're ultimately Gonzaga's kind of been around that talk. Yeah. They were in the national championship a couple of years, but this is going to be uncharted territory for Nevada. They're going to want it more. They haven't been to that area. They're, they're going to come out. Musselman's going to go shirtless at the end of the game. <laughs> it's That's how it's going to end. Everybody wants, or at least everyone in Reno, 
yeah. wants Nevada to become Gonzaga. They want Nevada to be the next Gonzaga. They're trying to replicate that model. Gonzaga has been there, done that. They should have won the national title against North Carolina a couple of years ago. That's that was still, so bad. Still, that was still so upsetting. bad. Still upsetting. Gonzaga has been there. Nevada wants to be there. I would have to see it to believe it. I mean, we just saw Gonzaga knock off Duke in Maui. That was an awesome win for the Zags. I would pick Gonzaga to win that game. I would not be surprised either way. Nevada has the talent. But if they played in March, uh, Gonzaga would have Killian Tilly back. He's missed the... Gonzaga, Gonzaga beat Duke and didn't even have Killian Tilly arguably their best player. Then, then Rui is nasty. I mean, I, I would pick Gonzaga to win, but again, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And that would be tough for me from an emotional standpoint to watch that game. Mm-hmm. I would struggle. Yeah, be pretty, pretty split. That would, that would be tough. We'll get out here on random Reno. What did oh, you no, find? You're, you're, you're missing one question. Am I missing one? Oh, I got, Josh, I got your back. This will be the first time I'm going to read a question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Josh asked a question. My bad. Sorry, Josh. Uh, all right. I'll, okay. Now you got it. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you read it because I'm going to answer this. What's your biggest pet peeve of winter drivers in Reno? This evening was a nightmare. It took me 90 minutes to get from South Reno up to Stead where I live. Yeah. So, I mean, this definitely factors, this factors into winter, but it factors also into early spring whenever there's, for whatever reason, whenever there's any sort of precipitation in Reno, everyone feels the need to cut down to about a quarter of what the limit is. Like this morning, I mean, obviously it snowed a lot last night, but I was driving about 25 miles an hour on the freeway this morning. Um, so and it, it, when it rains, it's even the worst because you know this, Nathan. I mean, when, when we grew up in Washington and it rained all the time, so you would, you, know, you would just drive normal, just rain. But yeah, I'd say, I mean, any time in the winter, especially after like last night when it kind of snows more than was anticipated and it's almost just like everybody forgets how to drive and nobody went to driver's ed and nobody, <laughs> nobody passed a driving exam. So I hear you, Josh. I'm in that same, I'm in that same boat. Luckily for me, I have less than a 10 minute drive to work, so I don't got to experience yeah. that a whole lot. But yeah, 90 minutes from South Reno to Stead, that is painful. My thing was always like when it snowed, especially when it snowed a decent amount. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where were the snow plows? I feel like there was never any snow plows. Like, why is this road still covered in snow? Why is it still a nightmare? It snowed three days ago. <laughs> it's a city conspiracy to keep people off the roads. <laughs> Apparently. The other part of it too, though, just factoring in, the city needs to widen the freeway. Let's, let's start with that. The spaghetti, I'll just, let's just do this. Anything Reno driver related, just spaghetti bowl. That's my problem with Reno drivers. The spaghetti bowl. I'm gonna say anything, yeah, anything with a road or a car in Reno, I'm gonna say fix it, and that's it. <laughs> Okay, now let's move on to random Reno. Um, I'm actually going to start this one now. Take it. This one's wild. Nevada professor Ismail Zaniani. Z-A-N-I-A-N-I. Zaniani. He created the world's first human sheep chimera. The chimera is a hybrid of two species. So this thing was a freaking... Human sheep. It had 15% human cells and it had half human organs. And that is the most terrifying thing I think I've ever heard. I don't like that one bit. So we've got, we've got some cool things. Like we've had, we've discovered that Reno is responsible for genes. It's responsible for the Ferris wheel, roller coasters, uh, chimpanzee with sign language. Are there any other ones that come to mind? Uh, wasn't our gold in Virginia? I don't remember. I can't remember any of mine that I said. 
some crazy ones, but we're yeah. also responsible for a human sheep hybrid. You're welcome, world. What the he- what the heck is the purpose? I think the purpose is to to say you have a half human, half sheep. I think to grow like to grow organs, and you can probably harvest them and use them. Medicine is starting to freak me out. <laughs> All right, what do you got? So, if anybody can advise me on where to get one of these permits, I would be very curious of where these come from. But I found that it is illegal to change the weather in Reno without a state-recognized permit. Mm, that's good to know. So, anybody out there looking to change the weather, make sure you get that permit. There are probably some people trying to change the weather last night. Probably. Probably tonight. It's probably freezing there tonight after it snowed. Yeah, it's a little chilly. Not too bad. We're tough. <laughs> and that is our show this week. Again, a little bit longer. We know the shows have been longer. That's not our goal. We want that. We want to shave them down, and we and we will once football season slows down, and we can really focus on on basketball um, going into March. So, thank you to all of you who who've stuck it out. Continue to listen every single week. Thank you to Nick Morton of Tipsy Elves, the co-founder, for coming on the show this week. Remember to watch Shark Week on Sunday for an update. You can see Nick, see what Tipsy Elves is up to, and certainly check out their website for some Santa Crawl gear. Thank you to Andrew Carr and Big Surge 2 for the iTunes reviews of the week. Don't forget to leave your review to be a candidate of the review of the week next week. It's super easy, guys, and those are really helpful for us. We really appreciate them. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter, at ShalpNathan, at ShalpAdam. Or at the Reno Slant. You can also email us, slant at gmail.com. One last one. Don't forget to sign up for ESPN Bowl Mania. The Reno Slant is the group name. $25 gift card to the stick. Up for grabs. That's big time. Tip on Friday at Staples Center against Arizona State, number 20 in the country, 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Sunday against Grand Canyon. Tip at 2.30. That one's on ESPNU. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will see you guys next week. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.